my mentor, I remember sitting with him and, and talking with him, and I said, man, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And he said, no. He said, the highs are really high and the lows are really lonely. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Epic Montana Podcast, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, passion, innovation, and creativity in and around the state of Montana. I'm your host, Jake Sheridan. On today's show, I'm joined by Michelle Huey, who is the founder of Vim and Vigor Socks. Enjoy the show. So what brought me to Montana? Actually, my partner, significant other, is a history professor. Oh, nice. And uh, he got a job out here in 2007. We met in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it took me some time to find employment to come out here. So yeah. it wasn't until 2011 that I was actually able to make the trek and move here permanently. Mm -hmm. So what was it like going from a big market like New York and Chicago mm -hmm. to a smaller growing market? Like yeah, absolutely. You know, it was interesting. It was definitely an adjustment coming from growing up in New York, living in Chicago for over a decade, mm -hmm. going back to New York as an adult to work at a, at a start a biotech startup, and then coming out here. Um, it was definitely an adjustment, but I think at, at, at the time, you know, it was something I really needed. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of the pace of being in a city and the intensity of it can be a little overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and one thing I always say about Missoula or Montana in general is when you're at a place like New York, you have no choice but to be part of the rat race sometimes, right? Yeah. You just get caught up in the intensity of the city. But the neat thing about Missoula is I could do that or I could not do that. And mm -hmm. it does it, there's no kind of pressure yeah. to be one way or the other. It's really kind of the freedom yeah. that, um, that to be stereotypical, like going out West for that. But definitely I feel that sense of freedom here. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's certainly a lot of like economic stuff happening here. So oh yeah, and yeah, and and starting a business in Missoula has been phenomenal. I think, you know, starting Vim and Vigor in a place like New York City or Chicago, I'd yeah. get you know, lost in um, opportunities and networking and all that stuff because it's just so overwhelming. And there's so many people doing that. Um, in Missoula, the community has really embraced Vim and Vigor. You know, mm -hmm. all of our People, we have about 28, 21 employees here. Um, you know, all of our marketing, sales, fulfillment all happens in Missoula. And the community in town has been amazing in embracing the company and the brand and being kind of ambassadors of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel really lucky that actually, I don't know if I would actually have started a company in a place like New York or Chicago here, it's, it's odd, it's odd that it, a place like Missoula actually helps me or gives me the mind space and the opportunity to really start a business. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And I was reading an article about you and it said that you, you hail from New York mm -hmm. and both of your parents were small business owners. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it must've been pretty easy to get into the thing <laughs> of like entrepreneurship. It is. I, I don't, for some people are like, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my parents are um, immigrants from Hong Kong. They mm -hmm. immigrated here in the 60s. Um, when, my, when my mom was worked at a seamstress in the Garment District of New York, my dad was a waiter. And when I was young, they decided to buy an ice cream franchise in the East Coast. There's an ice cream store called Carvel Ice Cream. East Coasters all know about yeah. it. You know, people out west never really made its way out west. But um, seeing how hard my dad worked, and I, I worked there since I was a kid, mm -hmm. you know, summers, I would, I mean, earliest, I remember sleeping in the ice cream store, you know, especially when my dad first 
first really bought the franchise. Yeah. And I remember being five years old and there was a futon in kind of the back of the ice cream store. And, you know, to really get things going, we would just spend all day there and then sleep there and then wake up. And, and I remember wow. like vividly the memory of that. And, you know, my dad working 12, 13 hour days, 365 days out of the year, you know, yeah. so it was definitely kind of the work ethic, I think, mm-hmm. that never scared me of, of having your or starting your own business because it's really been just ingrained in me that this is just kind of what you do. I don't yeah. think I ever saw any other path. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm, I feel lucky in that regard. Yeah. Were there any like businesses or like <laughs> when you were a kid, like a little kid, were there any like things that you came up with like, oh, maybe I'll do this and, you know, set out like selling stuff or anything like that or was it too busy just working with your parents oh I, you know as a kid I, I would have all these kind of little mini entrepreneurial ventures you mm-hmm. know my best friend and i decided to have like a babysitting service yeah. and we would make little business cards at the age of 11 or 12 uh, before that i remember it's a funny story but i remember being seven years old and and my friend and i are like we should make money shoveling snow, right? As at the age of seven. Hypothetically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we would go at the age of seven or eight and we'd knock on people's doors and mm-hmm. ask, you know, after a snowstorm. And I remember this woman, she was the nicest woman. I don't remember her name, but she's like, oh, yeah. So two, like a seven, you know, two seven year olds with a shovel. It wasn't that much snow. It was like three inches of snow, but probably yeah. took us like, I think we were there for three hours. She brought us hot <laughs> yeah. cocoa. Nice. She brought us food. She, she was very empathetic of how hard we were working. Yeah. And so uh, it's one of the, I just, it's really, really funny thinking about it now. I guess I always had this kind of entrepreneurial spirit of, you know, let's go out there and get paid $10 at the age of seven to shovel snow in, in New York. Yeah. Get the drive going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... From New York, where did you end up going to college at? I went to school at the University of Chicago okay. as an economics major. Mm-hmm. Um, also went to Kellogg Northwestern. I have an MBA and actually majored in entrepreneurship and marketing awesome. um, for my MBA. And so I kind of have a Chicago education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the the idea of Vim and Vigor came when you're in Chicago, is that right? No, actually the idea of Vim and Vigor came when I moved out here in, in so I moved out here in 2011. Mm-hmm. And in 20, and I was doing pharmaceutical sales, yeah. actually, when I came out here. And in mid to late 2012, uh, you know, I was driving around, and my geography was the state of Montana and eastern Idaho, okay? Yeah. So a lot of geography, driving like four or five hours a day, because you just have to do that when mm-hmm. you have that big of a geography. And I just noticed that my legs were just tired at the end of the day, and it, it was counterintuitive to me. You know, I'm mm-hmm. driving, I'm sitting, why am I tired? And... I uh, asked a friend who's a physical therapist about this. I was talking to him and he says, oh, you should be wearing compression socks. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I was like, oh, you know, like I think of my 90, at the time, five-year-old grandmother wearing these nude, super tight, look like rubber bands on her legs, compression socks. I mean, I'm like, I'm in my early 30s. I looked kind of fit my lifestyle and that were really cute. I'm sure that other people may have a need for this as well. And so... That was kind of the impetus for for Vim and Bigger. And from there, I remember having the idea and just being so focused on making it happen. Mm-hmm. And I, over a weekend, I kind of busted out a business plan. It was like a 14-page business plan of how I would go about doing this, what it would look like, what the market looks like, would look like or looks like. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, kind of took it from there. Um, so that's kind of how it started. Awesome. So what were, like, what was the startup process like 
um, for Vim and Vigor? Like, where, where, how did you approach people with your business plan? Did you just cold call people? Mm-hmm. How did you get a distributor? Right. Well, the first is obviously writing a business plan mm-hmm. and, and making sure that it's, it's a viable market and it made sense. Um, it's, it's, I'm going to spend so much time, energy, money into this. Is this, is this make sense? So doing your due diligence um, was kind of the first step of that. The next step, uh, you know, kind of before I really, I really talked to many people about it. I just mm-hmm. kind of, it was, I don't want this to be like, okay, wow, you're doing this. And I, when I would mention something, they'd be like, that's weird compression socks. You know, they just kind of didn't get it. And so I was like, yeah. you know what, let me flush it out even further for myself. And so the first thing is I needed to find a manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote my business plan. I was like, okay, I need to make sure that this can actually be made. You know, sometimes you're, you know, is the product not exists in the marketplace because the technology doesn't exist, yeah. you know, and so you have to weigh that. And so, um, I tried to reach out to all these manufacturers in the U S first and everyone's like, we don't have the technology or we don't have capacity or startup. Yeah. We're not going to be really working with you. So I got a lot of, God, it, may, it may have been maybe 15 no's. And so to me, I, I was really discouraged. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, maybe I can't do this. I mean, I'm not going to be building a machine to make compression socks. Like that's not, I'm not an engineer. Like my, I have an idea and I know I can make a high work on high, a high quality product and market and sell the crap out of it, yeah. but I'm not going to like build a machine to make it. And so it was really discouraging. And then, um, I was able to find a manufacturer in Taiwan and Taiwan is known for making high quality compression socks. And so, um, I found this manufacturer and I kind of connected with now he, he quickly became one of my mentors. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in his office, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I think I found this manufacturer. Um, and he's like, well, you should go out and visit him. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and there's something about it that just it became more and more real. Mm-hmm. Like, I think sometimes you start something, you're like, well, I'll just do this. Yeah. And then I'll just do this. And then there was something about me buying a plane ticket for a long weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I obviously I w- was working. So I had to, you know, ha- ask for time off kind of spontaneously. I literally like, was like, Oh, okay. I bought a ticket that weekend. I was like, I'm coming out to visit you. Yeah. And he's like, you need to visit them to really solidify a relationship mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go out and visit him. And so I went, I did that and it was a really good experience. I still work with this manufacturer. We have actually exclusivity. We have a really good relationship. Um, and it, it was really, really helpful to have been able to do that. So that's kind of how it kind of came about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was the initial vision for Vim and Vigor? Was it just regular like compression socks and maybe different colors mm-hmm. or was it like, okay, we're going to print, we're going to make these look really cool and fashionable. And then like, how did, how did the vision for Vim and Vigor, Vim and Vigor change from when you first thought of the idea to kind of where it's at? Now? I think the first vision for Vim and Vigor is the same one that it is now. Actually, the first vision, it came from a need for myself, which mm-hmm. is the idea of everyday lifestyle compression socks. And I launched with actually four fabrics that I still have now. Mm-hmm. So most people, you know, like I'm just going to launch with this one and this one fabric and that's it. I actually launched with four different fabrics, cotton, nylon, moisture wick, nylon, and wool. And the reason for that is I was thinking about the consumer. If I want to make this product, someone's lifestyle, everyday sock, mm-hmm. you know, 
I want to open up a person's sock drawer and I see you have all types of socks. You have yeah. nylon, you have cotton, you have wool for the different purposes. So I need to embody um, the behaviors or the um, preferences of the consumer. And so I actually launch with that. And I think it's still really the core of our company and yeah. our business is lifestyle, everyday compression socks. We call it everyday wellness. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we are continuing to drive towards and, and work towards. That's really interesting. It's yeah. the first time someone said um, the vision was where it was at the beginning and it's the same now. Really? Yeah. yeah. But that's good. That's good that you had, you had a wide vision of it at the beginning. Like, yeah have different stuff. And do you think that your, your background, like in sales and your background now in marketing has helped you with your business? And bigger? I do. Um, you know, all my background is in sales and marketing predominantly. Mm-hmm. And I rem- so my older brother, he lives in Hong Kong and really successful entrepreneur in his own right. And he was an investment banker and all this stuff. And I remember like a year and a half after I launched, maybe two years after I launched, I was back in New York for a trade show. He was back in New York. And so we were having lunch mm-hmm. and he says, tell me, tell me about your business. You know, tell me what's going, what's going on. So I gave him this whole update and he says to me, he's, he's like, I've, I've, you know, so he's, he's like, I've definitely worked with a lot of companies like that. And he's like, so you're a sales and marketing company. And I was like, no, I'm a compression sock company. Mm-hmm. Like I'm making stylish compression socks. He's like, no, he's like, you're, you're a sales and marketing company. And I said, and when he said that, I was like, whoa, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And as a sales and marketer and as an entrepreneur, yeah. you make things people want. Mm-hmm. And that's like your job. Yeah. <laughs> you tell a story and you make things people want. And that involves sales and marketing. And the product is going to continue to be awesome and amazing and iterate and you improve upon it because you're constantly making better things that people want. And so when he said that, I was like, awesome. I get it. I get it. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, having the background in specifically sales and marketing, it's really been the core and the driver of it. Um, uh, And then, you know, the education that's involved with a product like this. I didn't invent compression socks. They've been around for a really long time, yeah. right? I didn't invent the concept of them. I didn't, I didn't invent them. I'm just creating a product, utilizing the newest technology, making compression socks, mm-hmm. and creating really beautiful designs using premium fabric so that people can have everyday wellness. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm doing. So It's an interesting outlook on it. Yeah. And like I have some, one thing I've noticed about Vim and Vigor, out of not just compression sock brands, but I have a lot of brands. You guys have really, really good like PR and marketing. Like, yeah, it's 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 almost hard to not hear about it in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. Uh, what were some of the strategies that you took in order to get to that place? For one, I un, I knew that I mean it's still a challenge is mm-hmm. education in of the product. Um, even now, even though we've been out for four years, we'll be at a trade show and, you know, I'm someone in my mid thirties, um, you know, and some of my coworkers, they're, you know, they're youngish people Mm -hmm. and we'll be at a trade show. And then an, an older woman would walk by maybe 65, 70 years old Mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll be like compression socks and they'll say, Oh, I don't need that yet. And so there's still the stigma yeah. that that the marker once you start wearing compression socks that means you're aged. Yeah. And uh, you know, which is ironic cuz you see kind of 
we're, we're wearing them, mm-hmm. you know, we're representing the product. It makes us feel really great. Yet someone who's like 70 would walk by and say, oh, I don't need those yet. Yeah. It really tells a story. And this happens a lot, actually. It, it tells a story on how there is still such a stigma that we have to overcome for a lot of people. And there has to be a lot of education that has to happen with here are the benefits. Here's why you should be wearing them. Mm-hmm. Here's why you don't have to have some type of medical condition. In fact, doctors have never said, you know, yeah, they yeah. recommend them for all sorts of people. Um, and so knowing that I launched pretty heavily from a strategic standpoint with PR, mm-hmm. um, right from my, when I launched, because I knew I had to tell a story yeah. and PR is the best way to tell that story from kind of the top down. Now, an, a way that I was telling the story from the bottom up was I actually didn't do that much online. Okay. okay so my strategy was I was going to get my product into as many independent retailers as possible. Why? Because they can actually, those people who work at the stores can help tell the story. You know, if we're doing a good job providing them the education, they're carrying it, they could actually share the story. Mm -hmm. And so I had kind of these mini ambassadors with the, with retailers, um, to really share that information. And so kind of knowing the, the roadblocks, um, or the challenges that I was going to face, um, and then kind of creating an approach and strategy for launch was something that I considered. Mm So how has it felt to be able to share the story on such a big, in such a big way being featured in so like in some really big, you know, press places? How has that felt for you to it's, be able to share that it's story? It's been really exciting. It's really fantastic. It's really fun when, you know, random people would go on, you know, would see that and say like, wow, I bought a pair for one reason, mm-hmm. but I actually end up wearing these every day now because they make my legs feel really, really good. I'm not as tired at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and it's just hearing the, the reviews of the product has been awesome and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's just been really neat to, to see the product get into as many legs as possible. Yeah. And hopefully we're helping these people get a little bit more kind of energize and you know kind of energy and relief at the end of the day mm-hmm. um we all live and work hard mm-hmm. you know yeah I, and and so if there's a product that can help them feel really good during the day that's awesome yeah so with that with that and now being such a high point what were some of the the moments in your you know entrepreneurial path with them and vigor that had adversity mm-hmm. and how did you get through those? And like, what, what mental health tips would you recommend to people going through adverse situations? I would say, so when I, <clears throat> I initially launched and I bought for my initial launch, 10,000 pairs of socks mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, wow, I could sell that. It's a non-perishable item. I can sell that in a year, yeah. you know, like, okay. I wasn't, it was a little freaky. I was just a little bit scared. Um, and so I, launch and actually sold in about four or five months. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my gosh. So then I had to get more inventory to yeah. kind of supply this growth. And it was mm-hmm. kind of intense and crazy. And um, for one of the products that was, and we didn't come up with that many designs, for one of the products we got in and we were in our little basement with no heat, paying $300 a month for rent. It was like, you know, my accounting person had to wear, wear gloves, you know, <laughs> to enter things into the system. Yeah. And 
the batch came out really long. Mm-hmm. The the product had a lot of sh- like oh too much stretch to it oh. where you would pull it over your knees, and it, I was just like, oh my god, I have all these people who are waiting for this product. The product's totally oversold, mm-hmm. and the the batch did not come out meeting our specifications yeah. um, from a, like a length standpoint. And so I, uh, it was really, really hard. I had to eat, it was several thousand pairs. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much had to eat the cost of it. I didn't sell it. I was able to, you know, salvage the relationships with retailers in terms of having them pick up another product within yeah. our line. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but it mm-hmm. was financially really difficult yeah. because it's not like we, we were just trying to establish ourselves. It was such a, like a mental setback mm-hmm. because it's just such a long process. Um, the whole, the whole thing was at that point just really hard. Yeah. And so that was really difficult. I think kind of mentally, um, you know, my mentor, I remember sitting with him and, and talking with him and I said, man, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And he said, no, he said, the highs are really high and the lows are really lonely. And when he said that, I was like, okay, I, I, holy cow. Yeah. It is like you, no matter, you know, what you have or the team you have in place, it's really a lot on, you can feel on your shoulders. Yeah. And so that was huge. And I think the best thing you can do as an entrepreneur is to have a really strong network of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a physical, but more of a mental mind game that you have to play with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that, that kind of tribe or group of people, or even if it's one other person that you could chat with or mentor, you know, have, have as a mentor is I think really valuable. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so you were saying a little bit before that your first operation was like in a basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably what it wasn't to code. Yeah. We had, we didn't really have heat. Yeah. Luckily I had fantastic team in place so that they just were like really in it. And, um, and then from there we outgrew that space and mm-hmm. moved to another space. We outgrew it and just this June moved to another place, which we're outgrowing. Wow. <laughs> um, Pretty much. We're like three people to an office right now. But it's, you know, I've never done this before and I'm going to be transparent. I've never ran, you know, started a business before. So yeah. to understand kind of the demands of, of growth, I mean, I've definitely learned a lot and I'm working with different people on that. But it's uh, it's been really fun. Yeah. So where do you see uh, the future of Vivid Vigor going? Like, how where do you want it to go and how do you see it going? You know, I want to really transform them in bigger from a product to a brand. Mm-hmm. And I want it to embody the idea of everyday wellness. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that looks like from a product standpoint or a service standpoint, but healthcare, I've been in the healthcare industry for 15, 16 years. Yeah. It's my main experience and I'm really passionate about it. And that's why women vigorous fits so well with my experience is mm-hmm. because it is a health, it's a, it's actually a, technically a medical device. Yeah. It's listed with the food and drug administration. You know, we have all these people telling them, telling us how great the product has made them feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, that's something I, I feel really strongly about. And I think there's huge opportunities for bringing women vigor to kind of the, the corporate, the work side of things. 
if you look at look at the industry, you have stand up desks, you have wearables like Fitbits, but yeah. you don't really have an apparel item mm-hmm. in in the the corporate wellness side. And so, you know, that's definitely something I'm going to be exploring and looking into to be totally transparent, um, and just to to learn more about how I can help. You know, people who are working hard and playing hard just feel better. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Epic Montana podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on whatever podcast repository you use. And you can also find us on Facebook at Epic MT Podcast. And now, a word from our sponsors. Do you love Montana? The Montana Shop does. And it carries the most Montana brands online. From where your roots and up top to the Montana scene, and many more. The Montana Shop is the perfect place to find a gift for every proud Montanan. You can find them at themontanashop.com, and listeners of this podcast can save 10% by using the coupon code EPICMT. It's a great deal on great Montana merch. Again, shop at themontanashop.com, and use coupon code EPICMT at checkout for 10% off. It has been said many times that confidence is the key to success. From the Ground Up is a sock company that allows you to wear that confidence with these cheeky, whimsical socks that pay homage to some of society's boldest, confident, and powerful icons. You can conquer the world in a pair of Maryland's or be the boss with a pair of Winston Churchill's. I have a few pairs myself and I can confidently say that they are the most comfortable and durable socks I've ever owned. Listeners of the Epic Montana podcast will receive a 15% discount with a coupon code EPICMT at checkout. You can purchase your pair on ftgusocks.com. Music from today's podcast was provided by freesound.org and freemusicarchive.org. Thank you to the artists Ryan Little, S. Krasovsky, Stereo Surgeon, and Ben Stone for the show's music.